Our scripture today comes from two places, Psalm 139, a very familiar one, but comforting, especially in these times of uncertainty. Turn with me, would you, to Psalm 139, verses 1 through 7. Psalm 139, verses 1 through 7. Hear the word of God, would you? O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up, you discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down. You're acquainted with all of my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it altogether. You hem me in behind and before. You lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It's high. I cannot attain it. Where can I go from your spirit? Or where shall I flee from your presence? The very word of God. Thanks be to God. Our New Testament passage uh, comes from our study of the first, or excuse me, the second and third chapters of Revelation, especially, where Jesus, who knows us, writes letters to his people. He wrote them, as we've seen, to seven different churches. Uh, but in a sense, we are those seven churches. There's a message from Jesus to each of us in each of his letters to those churches. Today we come to the church, the letter to the church at Philadelphia. Uh, we know that word, don't we? Um, means the city of brotherly love. It was a city that, that was dedicated to um, uh, the brother of a ruler. And uh, in love, he dedicated that city to him. It became um, a beautiful expression of his love, but also of the power of the Roman Empire, the wealth of the Roman Empire. Philadelphia sat right on the edge of one territory and was the doorway to another. And I think uh, Christ understanding that speaks to the church, which also stood right on the edge of, of one kingdom, as it were, but was the doorway to another. Hear the word of God, would you, from Revelation chapter 3, beginning at verse 7. And to the messenger or angel of the church in Philadelphia, write, Jesus says, The words of the Holy One, the true one, who has the key of David, who opens and no one will shut, who shuts and no one opens. I know your works, Jesus says. Behold, I have set before you an open door, which no one is able to shut. I know that you have but little power, and yet you have kept my word and have not denied my name. Behold, he says again, looky here. I will make those of the synagogue of Satan, those who say that they are Jews, and who are not, we've discovered that those are the ones who are persecuting Christians right now. But lie, behold, here says it again, 
I will make them come and bow down before your feet, and they will learn that I have loved you. Because you have kept my word about patient endurance, I will keep you from the hour of trial that is coming on the whole world. I will keep you and try those who dwell upon the earth. I'm coming soon. Hold fast to what you have so that no one may seize your crown. The one who conquers, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God. Never shall he go out of it, and I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which comes down from my God out of heaven. And I will write on him my own new name. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Pray with me, would you? Oh God, thank you so much for your word. Thank you that it speaks to people from the past, yes, but it speaks to us as well in our circumstances. God, we confess that, that we have been humbled. We have been broken physically, emotionally, and, and some even spiritually, God, by the circumstances which we have endured. But all through it, God, you were speaking to us. All through it, you were reminding us, calling us to love. You were calling us to be faithful. You were calling us to continue to serve. You were calling us to patient endurance. Thank you for sustaining us, God. Thank you for the many who have gone through the fire and who you have brought through. Thank you for the precious few who have gone through the fire and whom you drew even to yourself. Thank you that you're here for us now. We think of those who even as we worship this morning are suffering or recovering from the COVID virus. We, we thank you for those whom you're surrounding as they recover from surgery, God, and from physically challenging circumstances. Oh God, we thank you that you're not bound by time or space and, and that you are surrounding and upholding those who are emotionally broken, who are so lonely, who have been far from their loved ones for so long that, that Father, their hearts are broken. I thank you that you are never far from us. Thank you that there's no circumstance which you are not greater than. Thank you that you're not bound by time or space, but to every heart that opens to you, God, you come and you uphold. God, I want to say, especially to you today, thank you so much for revealing yourself to several this week. Thank you for those who even this week have experienced your presence in such a way that they were able to come to faith to say for the first time, I know now beyond a shadow of a doubt that I am his and he is mine. Oh God, thank you that you're still moving. Thank you that you're still on the throne. 
Thank you that you're still sovereign over every circumstance. Glorify yourself, would you, God? Through us. Glorify yourself in us. And hear our cry. As together we offer to you the prayer which Jesus taught us to pray. Saying together, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. Well, what a privilege to come back to God's word today. I've just been so overwhelmed with how it speaks exactly to us in our circumstances. Well, what do we learn today from Jesus' message to the church at Philadelphia? I just remind you, in these seven letters, for most of them, for five out of the seven of them, he has, he has said, here's, here's something um, that I hold against you. Here is something that, um, that you're still not grasping. Here's something you can do to draw closer to me. But we saw uh, to the church at Smyrna that, that Christ just loved them where they were. They didn't have anything against them. As for many of the churches, he found good things to say about them. For Smyrna, he just called them to hold on in the midst of persecution. Do you remember that? But here, also, we find that Jesus has nothing bad to say about the church at Philadelphia. Instead, he affirms some powerful truths. I want to affirm those with you today. Because as we said, in a sense, we are the church of Philadelphia. Each of the letters speaks to us even as it spoke to them 2,000 years ago. So what does he affirm for us today? Well, first I want to suggest to you, he affirms who he is. Each of the letters has begun with just a reminder of Revelation chapter 1, a reminder of that beautiful exposition of not only who Jesus is, but who God is, right? How, how Jesus is a, is a reflection of the living God Jesus is the presence of the living God. And, and there's characteristics of him that if we we'll grab onto them will sustain us even through the most difficult of trials. So what do we learn here about who Jesus is? We learn that he is the Holy One, the one set apart. God set apart his only begotten Son that whoever would believe in him, would have everlasting life, would not perish. John 3, 16, right? So Jesus is the Holy One, the set-apart one, the one on whom God placed our eternities and the one who is worthy of such trust. 
He's the Holy One. He's also the True One. He says at the beginning of this letter, who has the key to David, who opens doors that no one can shut and shuts doors that no one can open. What is this? Or who is this key holder, right? In several places in scripture, Jesus is described as holding keys. In Matthew 16, 19, he has the keys to the kingdom of heaven. In Luke eleven fifty two, he has the key of knowledge. We saw in Revelation 1, 18, Jesus says very clearly, he has the keys to hell and death, right? In Revelation 9, 1, we read that he has the key to the bottomless pit. Here, we learn that Jesus has the key of David, right? David was the one who brought us the truth that there is an everlasting kingdom which shall never be destroyed, right? And that a son of David would, would open the door so that everlasting kingdom would have the key. Jesus says, I am that person. I have the key to the everlasting kingdom. He's the only one that can allow us to pass from this world to the next. He's the only one that can allow us to pass from this kingdom to the next, right? If you want to move on, if you want to go through, if you want to pass from one place to the next, you have to have a relationship with the key man, right? Nowadays, we have so many sophisticated keys and, and at all of that, we've always been very open with, with keys. I know there was probably two or 300 keys out to our former facility. And even now, probably 20 of us have keys to this one. I'm carrying my key ring with me right now and I try and keep it at a minimum, but I, I still end up having 10, 12 keys that I carry around from day to day. If you want to get through a door, you have to have the key, right? And Jesus says, I am the one who holds that key. Have you put your trust in who Jesus is? He holds the keys. But in this letter, we, it is affirmed that not only who Jesus is, but also what Jesus knows. What Jesus knows. Jesus says, I know that you have but little strength. That word strength there is, is the Greek word dunamis that's usually translated power, right? I know that you have but little power. That, that word dunamis is the same word for dynamite, right? In other words, there's, there's amazing power available to you, but I know that right now you have very little of it. And I think of many of our beloved, and for some reason my heart's drawn even in this moment to, to those who are bound at home, confined at home, and particularly to those who are, are in nursing homes and feel so powerless. They're told when to eat, when to rise, when to go to bed, when to take their medications. They feel like they have so little control, so little strength, so little power over the details of their life. What a comfort it is to know that Jesus knows those things. 
Jesus knows our future. He holds those things in his hands. But Jesus says, I, not only do I know that you have little strength, I know your works. That phrase is pretty familiar to us, isn't it? Seven times in these seven letters, he has said, I know this about you. Five of those times, he said, he said I know your works. And in other words, I know the expression of those things that we prayed for a little while ago. I know the expression of your ever-increasing love. I know the expression of, of your ever-increasing faith. And, and I know the, the expression of, of your works, the things that you have done, right? I know the expression of your patient endurance. Jesus, Jesus says, I know the expression of my life in you. But in particular, he mentions a couple things, and it's going to be important for us as we try and grab some practical application from this lesson, uh, this letter to the, to the church at Philadelphia. I know that you have kept my word, he says. I know that you have kept my word. And that, that word kept means held closely, even, even treasured. I know you have treasured my word, right? And because you have treasured my word, other things are true about you, right? Because you have kept my word with patient endurance, he says in verse 10, I will keep you out, or I will keep you from the hour of trial that is coming on the whole world to test those who dwell on the earth. We have seen in these letters to the book of Revelation that sometimes Jesus entrusts, and it's the same word, test, trial, tribulation. They're all the same word in Greek. He entrusts these things to us at some level because there's something about something for his kingdom that happens in us when we're tested when we're using the metallurgical term assayed when we're when we're when we're uh, tried what is what is true about us comes to the surface jesus says i i know that that you've kept my word and as a result i will keep you now he speaks of a great tribulation and we'll go into this in depth after the new year, when we come back to the back half of Revelation. But, but Jesus is speaking of now not just a, an isolated trial, an isolated test, an individual circumstance. He's speaking about a trial that is going to come on the whole world to dwell, excuse me, to test all those who dwell on the earth. He's talking about something that many of us have called the great tribulation, this ultimate test that comes right before uh, Jesus returns in glory. He says, because you have kept my word, I will keep you from that great tribulation. And then, lest we miss it somehow, he says, I am coming soon. I am coming soon. And beloved, I just, I just remind you, hold on to God's word. In his words is life. And as you 
as you study it, as you digest it, as you memorize it, as you treasure it, then you'll find strength for your time of need as well. I know your works, he says, that you have kept my word, and I know that you have not denied my name. I want to go back to where we've been over the last couple of weeks. Again, I, I pretty confident that you who are watching this worship service right now, that if I were to say to you, do you deny that Jesus is the Christ? Many of you, most of you would say, no, I'd never do that. I would never do that. But we've learned through our study of the letters to these seven churches that, that there's so many ways that even if we were to be asked up front, uh, do we affirm the name of Jesus? Do we, do we stand on the name of Jesus? We say yes, but in so many ways we deny it. You see, a name is not, not just the, the word Jesus. The word Jesus, as we've seen, uh, has such greater meaning. The word Jesus is the testament of God that he is able to save. And, and like the people of God over all the ages, in so many ways, we try and save ourselves. And every time we try and save ourselves, we deny who he is. We deny his name. His name is so much more than, than a label by which to get his attention. It's a representation of everything he is, his reputation, his identity. Jesus is asking, or Jesus is affirming for the church at Philadelphia that, that you have honored his name, that you have that you've made a stand for something that is much greater than yourself. <laughs> Kind of important for us in this day and age, isn't it? We've all probably heard the aphorism, if you um, don't stand for something, you'll fall for anything. Do you remember that? But I want to I go one step further and say, be careful what you stand for, right? Be careful what you stand for and even be more careful what you kneel before, right? Because, because it is so easy to get caught up in the temporary things of this world and to make a stand for that which Jesus has already overcome. To make a stand for that which is not eternal, but which is temporal. Be careful what you stand for. <laughs> I'm excited because I've been working on next winter's um, uh, series over the next um, Advent season, which begins in just a couple of weeks. We will, we will look again to the glory of Jesus in John chapter 1, particularly focusing on him as the light of the world. But in January, we're going to go to the book of Daniel and do a quick survey, an eight-week survey of of what God revealed to Daniel, because that's gonna help us understand the back half of Revelation. 
But even as I'm beginning to prepare for that and so reminded of, of the courage of Daniel and, and the expression of his life, what he knelt for in prayer, but what he stood for, the boldness, right? Jesus knows what we stand for. He knows what we bow down to. There's certain things he wants others to know as well. And especially those who oppose us, especially those who are opposed to the things of God. So we've seen that, that his letter to the Church of Philadelphia affirms who he is. It affirms what Jesus knows, but it also affirms what Jesus will make other people know, right? And, and this is important because, because we saw in Luke chapter 8 that, that nothing is hidden, right? That will not be made manifest, nor is anything secret that will not be known and come to light. Everything we are and what we stand for, what we say in secret, what we think in our innermost thoughts. Remember Psalm 139? Lord, you know me. You know all of my ways. All of those things that Jesus knows will be made known as well. That's a frightful thing, isn't it? But it's also a beautiful thing if you surrender those things. If you've confessed the brokenness and the pain, if you've confessed the sin, then Jesus is faithful and just and has forgiven your sin and cleansed you of all unrighteousness. So this is so beautiful, isn't it? As he expresses these truths to the people of the Church of Philadelphia and through them to us, he says, this is what I'm gonna make known, right? This is what I'm gonna make known about you, even to your enemies. Are you ready for this? That I have loved you. Wait a second, I was expecting you to say all my, my darkest secrets. No, I forgave those, Jesus said. What I will make known is that I have loved you. That I have loved you. So for those of you who are feeling worn down, who are feeling used up, who don't know if you have the strength to go on, right? Who, like the people of Philadelphia, have little power left, little strength left. Jesus, Jesus says, I have loved you, and that makes all the difference. It's so much fun as my grandchildren are, are growing. They love stories, and right now the stories are very simple because uh, they're still growing in their ability to comprehend and, and their vocabulary. But I've got a book. I can't wait to read them, to read to them. It's called The Velveteen Rabbit. Do you remember that? It's about uh, a toy rabbit that was so loved. Yeah, his eyes popped off, his, his fur got very thin, but was so loved that he became real. Love is what makes us real. And Jesus says, I'm gonna make known this truth about you, that I have loved you.
I have loved you. And then he says, I'll make others know as well that I am coming soon. This has been, it's been an amazing year, hasn't it? And I laughed with you about so many memes about the year 2020. If I didn't share it with you, the one I've been thinking about a lot lately is I'm going to stay up on New Year's Eve till midnight, not to welcome in the new year, to make, but to make sure that this one leaves, right? This has been a year that we've just had to hold on to our seats, literally, right? But Jesus doesn't say, hold on to your seats, right? Or even hold on to this life. He tells us to hold on to our crowns. Hold on to our crowns. We've seen already that those who overcome, who with patient endurance press through the hours of trial, to those he will give the crown of life. Verse that transformed one of our brothers here even this past week was one that many of you still have on your wrist right now from our study of God's word so long ago, Luke 9, 23 and 24. Jesus says, if anybody would come after me, let him deny himself. Let him take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for me, my sake will save it. For what does it profit someone if he gains the whole world and loses and forfeits himself? For whoever is ashamed of me, in my words, of him will the Son of Man be ashamed when he comes in glory, the glory of the Father and his holy angels. We've seen that Jesus is, that Jesus knows and that Jesus will make known my question for you as we break today. My question for you is, what do you know? Do you know that Jesus loves you? I've shared with you so many times. I think that's the hardest thing for us to believe. We can believe it about everyone else, but it's hardest to believe that Jesus really loves us. But I also invite you to know for sure this morning that he will keep you through the temporary trials. Let me say this very clearly. He will keep you through the temporary trials and from, because you have trusted in his name, the great tribulation. So don't fear. The temporary, the temporary trials. Don't fear the great tribulation. Jesus has made a promise to you. Jesus wants you to know that he's coming soon. Are you ready? Are you ready for Jesus to come? You can be ready in a heartbeat by simply agreeing with God that Jesus' death on the cross was sufficient for your brokenness. That God raised him from the dead 
to validate his work on your behalf by putting your faith in Jesus Christ that he came and that he's coming again. You're delivered from death to life. But I want to just close with this reminder too. The key man still has the keys and he says that he's placed before you an open door. An open door. We say, wait a second, this is the time to slam the doors, right? This is a time to protect ourselves. This is a time to stay safe. No, no. This is a time to love recklessly in Jesus' name. This is a time to reach out to our community. This is a time to reach out to those who are suffering. God has softened the hearts of so many. And maybe, just maybe, we as a church are standing at the threshold of that open door of an incredible season of ministry to our neighbors, to our city, to our world around us. Maybe, just maybe, this is a season for you where God has said, I'm placing an open door before you. What will you do? Pray with me, would you? Thank you, God, so much for your word. Help us to treasure it today. Help us to remember who you are. You are the Holy One, Jesus. You are the one who is true and faithful. You hold the keys. Jesus, you've also placed before us incredible opportunities. Help us with broken-hearted boldness to step through that open door, to believe that you're not done with us yet. And there's much life to come. And God, I pray for those who are on the threshold today of a living relationship with Jesus Christ. Grant us the courage to believe your word is true. Grant us the courage to step across that threshold in faith and to enter into a relationship with you. And God will give you the praise and will give you the glory in Jesus' precious name. Amen.